Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today in our prayer around the cross. We invite listeners as a family to sit around a table with a candle and a crucifix for the next hour as we listen and reflect together. Welcome to our prayer around the cross this Good Friday evening. Ever since that first Good Friday on Calvary, the cross has had a central role in the lives of Christians. Traditionally, parents have lost no time in introducing their children to the concept of the cross. One of the first prayers Christian parents teach their children is how to bless themselves and to do it in a manual gesture that takes the shape of a cross. In that simple prayer, we were all, as little children, introduced to the mystery of the Trinity and the centrality of the cross in the Christian journey. This early lesson in the Christian faith led traditionally to an acceptance of the cross as something not to be rejected, but as something that we should try to embrace when it comes our way. Our ancestors often spoke of some pain or struggle or setback as the cross I have been given. The predominant culture of our time, however, sees the cross in whatever form it presents itself in a rather negative light. Indeed, the experience of the cross in the form of suffering, illness, or untimely death of a loved one has led some people away from their Christian faith. How could there be a loving, caring, good God when such tragedies are allowed to happen is a question we often hear asked. Indeed, to our modern culture, the term Good Friday must sound like a complete misnomer. Good Friday? What was good about it? Christians believe it was good because the death of Christ, our Saviour, was the beginning of a mystery that was to open up the prospect of eternal happiness to us. And that death of Christ was to be the most powerful demonstration of the immensity of God's love for us, his people. As we ponder the way of the cross this evening, let us look out for ourselves along that way. Let us think of the Veronica's and the Simons that we have met on our journey. Let us think too of relatives, friends, neighbours or work colleagues who might be in need of a Veronica or a Simon. But whether we focus on our own cross or that of others, let us try to undertake this Good Friday reflection firm in the belief that there is no cross that Christ is not under. In our reflection this evening, we will call on the word of God in scripture. We will also avail of some music, hymns, songs and poetry. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I cherished the old 
Robert Cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a That old rugged place So despised by the world Has a wondrous attraction for me For the dear Lamb of God Left his glory above To bear it to dark Calvary So I cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. First station. Jesus is condemned to death. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Did you ever find yourself the target of opposition and hostility because you dared to speak an unpopular truth? It happens, you know. We have a saying, the truth hurts sometimes. There are times when the last thing some people want to hear is the truth. In the mock trial which Jesus underwent on his way to Calvary, he was asked by Pilate, Are you a king? A loaded question. Jesus calmly responded, Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth, and all who are on the side of truth listen to my voice. That was to be the hallmark of the kingdom he wished to establish. This response made Pilate feel uncomfortable, and he responded with a derisory comment. Truth? What is that? Jesus is condemned to death because he speaks God's truth and that pattern of condemnation has been repeated down through the centuries wherever people have insisted on speaking and standing for God's truth. Only a few weeks ago, Pope Francis became the first Pope to visit Iraq, an ancient land so connected with the Old Testament in the Bible to pay homage to those who had been persecuted some killed, for standing courageously for Christ and his message. But we don't have to go to the Iraqs of the world to experience hostility to God's truth. We experience that much closer to home. When God's truth is rejected, Christ is condemned again. At this station, we remember people condemned and ridiculed for bearing witness to the truth. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Station. Jesus carries his cross. 
We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Of all the people on earth at that time, Jesus was the one person who should not have had to carry a cross. He was the sinless one. He had not earned a cross. So why? Jesus ends up carrying all our crosses because of his love for us. Part and parcel of true love is making sacrifices so love can bring pain. Of course, that is why so many opt out of the version of love Jesus puts before us. Love one another as I have loved you. The language of the cross is not the prevailing language of our culture. St. Paul articulates this when he says, The language of the cross may be illogical to those who are not on the way to salvation, but those of us who are on the way see it as God's power to save. Pope Francis reminds us that living Holy Week means increasingly entering into God. The logic of the cross, which is not first of all that of pain and death, but of a love and self-giving that brings life. Of course, Jesus is still carrying other people's crosses. He does it through the thousands of generous, caring people who dedicate their lives to helping others, many of them their own loved ones, to carry the cross that life has dealt them. So many are doing that today. We think especially of our healthcare workers in the front line for whom going to work each day was a real test of their generous spirit. We hope they realise that their commitment has not gone unnoticed by Jesus. Let us take time to reflect and let us see Jesus in those wonderful people. Jesus falls the first time. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Dear Lord, it is a short step between being upright and on the ground. We have all fallen at one time or another. We all have good intentions and the resolve not to fall again. But, well, we all know what can easily happen. The temptation is too great, and sometimes, of course, when we fall, we hurt others. Perhaps our greatest fall is that we dwell on other people's falls. There are so many people who have not been allowed to forget the times they have fallen, but are condemned to being identified with their fall. And Jesus was hoping that we might be his agents for conveying his forgiveness to those who fall. If I have forgiven you, you too must forgive one another. Do unto others what you would like them to do unto you. Perhaps we often disappoint Jesus. We must be careful about dwelling on other people's falls. Don't we all need to pause and look into our own hearts in this regard? Scripture says, Judge not 
and you will not be judged. Jesus meets his mother. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. What a heartbreaking meeting this is as Jesus meets his mother on his way to Calvary. This meeting is full of the pain that love brings, the full implication of Mary's response to the angel Gabriel. Let it be done unto me according to your word, are now unfolding. But Mary remains firm in her commitment, in silence. Where do mothers get their courage and strength from as they look on the suffering of their children? Little wonder that some spiritual writer has said that the closest insight we get in human experience into the immense depth of God's love for us is in the love of a mother for her own child. Of course, true love, if we are to risk it, has the potential for pain and suffering. Nobody knows that better than mothers. Let us remember at this station mothers experiencing pain because of the suffering of a child. We all know plenty of them at home and further afield. No mother deserves to suffer the way so many mothers do in the poorer countries around the world. Trokra, what a lovely Irish word for mercy. Trokra this year asks us to remember Awat and Ajak and so many other suffering mothers. There is still time to help them. Oh, 
fifth station, Simon of Cyrene helps Jesus to carry his cross. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. It was Good Friday in the square Newcastle West about ten years ago. The way of the cross was being reenacted on the streets of the town by the students from the Desmond College. Some people were following us along the way. Others were watching from their doors or on the footpath. It was all very real, and Jesus was being cruelly whipped and lashed along his way as he struggled with the weight of the cross. It looked so real that people were cringing, even adults. One little primary school boy was particularly touched by what he was seeing. He followed the cross-bearing Jesus from a safe distance, observing all that was going on. Next thing, he ran back to his mother, who was standing at a shop door, and he said to her, Mammy, Mammy. A man came out to help him at the corner. It was Simon. That was the day we realized that this reenactment of the way of the cross on our streets was having an effect. Simon was that little boy's hero that day, and hopefully that concern for innocent people suffering has found expression in action in his life now as a young man. We cannot even begin to consider ourselves walking the path of Christ in the way we live our lives if we do not respond to the plight of our brothers and sisters for whom life carries a lot of pain and suffering. That day, a decade ago, the young boy needed somebody stronger to do what his young heart desired. But he did notice Jesus' pain. Growing into an adult follower of Christ calls for action. Words and noticing are not enough. It's possible that Simon didn't even notice Christ's need to have his sweaty, blood-stained face wiped with a soft towel. As we shall see, different people notice different things. Everybody needs a little help sometimes No one stands alone Makes no difference if you're just a child like me Or a king upon a throne For there are no exceptions we all stand in the line Everybody needs a friend Let me tell you of mine He's my forever friend My leave-me-never friend from darkest night to rainbow's end He's my forever friend The Sixth Station Veronica Wipes, The Face of Jesus We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. I wonder did Veronica and Simon meet along the way of the cross? They probably did. Like-minded people are drawn to one another. No doubt, in today's social media world, the imprint of the blood-splattered and hurting face of Christ on Veronica's towel would have been flashed around the world in minutes. But there was no social media then. And yet, we are still talking about it 2,000 years later. Why are we still talking about it? Perhaps it is because when people are hurting and suffering, we are always moved to see someone reach out to lend a helping hand and ease their pain.
Veronica's gesture was a woman's gesture. She could not bear to see him suffering. She would love to have taken the cross from his pained shoulders, but she wouldn't have been allowed to do that. So she did what she could. She gently wiped his brow with a woman's touch. Just a little thing, but a very powerful gesture too. The little gestures can often have a profound effect. What a lovely message Jesus would have got. How it must have lifted his heart. A heart wounded by rejection, but powered by the abundance of the Father's love for all humankind. The coronavirus has brought the cross into the lives of many people. And how wonderful it has been to see the many Veronicas that have emerged to respond to the need of those who are hurting most. God has created the potential to be a Veronica in every woman's heart. This station invites people to release that potential in our world today. Veronica must have been a person who went quietly about. Certainly, she does not emerge again in the Gospel story. In a world where there is great debate about the role of women, let us hope that their special role of releasing the power of real love in the world, even in the little things, will not be lost. It's the least that I can do Let me soothe your aching brow What have they done to you? Jesus falls a second time. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. This is the station of the recurrent faller. Some people find it hard to move on from their faults and failings, whether it be an alcoholic, drug addict, a prisoner. It is never as simple as it looks from the outside. There, but for the grace of God, go any one of us. It is easy for family, friends, etc. to lose patience with them. Addiction of whatever kind can be so difficult to handle. An addict once said to a friend, I don't mind you challenging me. I even understand that tough love is love too, and that I need to be shaken up, but please, please do not write me off because that would be the greatest pain. It can be so tempting to write off the one who falls again and again. Nobody sets out in life with a burning ambition to be an alcoholic or a drug addict with all the pain that goes with these things. But there is always a reason, and it could so easily have been me. I thank God, our Father, that you, Lord Jesus, 
took on the role of judging such people yourself. That gives them so much a better chance. You alone know the full story. Scripture reminds us, Judgment is mine, says the Lord. May we always honour that. Ninth station. Jesus falls for a third time. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. The world of the down and outs is little known to most of us. It is a world that we need to reflect on. There is no doubt that if Jesus were walking on earth today, he would know all down and outs by their first 
name. Jesus has sent us a sharp reminder by giving us Pope Francis, who constantly calls on us to reach out to the poor, even if that lets us smelling of the sheep. The poor, the poor, the poor, Pope Francis repeats. You see, we can so easily lose sight of the fact that every down and out is made in the image of God and every down and out was held in the arms of a doting mother at the christening font, clothed in Christ. But something went wrong and for whatever reason the darkness of human failure tended to obscure the light that was lit in their hearts that day. Doesn't scripture tell us that we must not break the crushed reed nor quench the wavering flame? We all fall in one way or another and not just three times but a hundred and three times and more and maybe the down and out has had many more falls. Have we considered that their gracious hope of finding the light again and of seeing it overpower the darkness that has haunted them, their greatest hope is if they experience love and understanding from others, maybe from you and me. And isn't it a sobering thought that there may be lurking deep within any one of us a potential down and out. Most of the homeless on our streets never expected to be homeless. Imagine one of our children, our siblings, sleeping on the streets. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Patrick Kavanagh catches something of the hidden dignity of the down and out in his poem, Street Corner Christ. I saw Christ today at a street corner stand. In the rags of a beggar he stood. He held ballads in his hand. He was crying out, Two for a penny. Will anybody buy the finest ballads ever made from the stuff of joy? But the blind and the deaf went past, knowing only there an uncouth ballad seller with tail matted hair. And I, whom men call fool, his ballads bought, found him who the pieties have vainly sought. Have you seen the old man in the closed down market kicking up? the papers with his worn out shoes in his eyes you see no pride hand held loosely by his side they're yesterday's papers telling yesterday's news have you seen the old girl who walks the streets of London dirt in her hair and her clothes in rags She's no time for talking She just keeps right on walking Carrying her home Into carrier bags And then how can you tell me You're lonely Or say that for you The sun won't shine let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I will show you something to make you change your mind. In the all-night cafe at a quarter past eleven, same old man sitting there on his own 
Looking at the world over the rim of his teacup Each tea lasts an hour and he wanders home alone Oh, and have you seen the old man outside the seaman's mission? His memory fading like the ribbons that he wears. And in this winter city, the rain cries a little pity for one more forgotten hero in a world that doesn't care. And then how can you tell me you're lonely Or say that for you the sun won't shine Let me take you by the hand and lead you Through the streets of London I will show you something To make you change your mind How can you tell me you're lonely Or say that for you the sun won't shine Let me take you by the hand and lead you Through the streets of London I will show you something To make you change your mind Tenth Station, Jesus is stripped of his garments. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. When he reached the place of execution, the soldiers stripped Jesus of his clothes, exposing his naked body to the jeering crowd. No dignity here. We think of many who share the same fate, Children abused by those they trusted. Women raped. Abortion. People's bodies exploited in violence. Pornography. Now for convenience, accessible on the smartphone. Medical science, too, can sometimes forget the dignity of the human body as it works its way towards doubtful progress. How could we accept it as progress? anything that is destructive of the human body. Many media outlets have long since lost a sense of the dignity of every human being made in the image of God. Once we lose the sense of dignity of every human being from the first moment of conception, we can seriously lose our way. As evidence, when the same outlets who promoted abortion vigorously a few years ago were loud in their condemnation of a person sitting on a dead horse, distasteful though that was. Yes, it is so easy to lose one's moral compass when the bottom line of the dignity of every human life is stripped away. How easily, too, a careless word or tweet or text can be destructive of the reputation of a person even if what we tweeted or texted is true. What happened to dignified silence? There, but for the grace of God, go any one of us. Lord, how easily we forget that in all stripping away of human dignity, you are stripped of dignity too. Insofar as you do it to one of the least, you do it to me.
station, Jesus is nailed to the cross. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. The cross comes in so many forms, some very obvious and clear to be seen, some temporary, some permanent. We can all expect to have to carry a cross of some kind, at one time or another. For many, the cross will pass, and knowing that it will pass in time makes carrying it more bearable. For some, however, the cross lasts right through life. There is no escaping it. For others, the cross takes the form of some human weakness or failing, being exposed to a world which Pope Francis had described as obsessed with the details of other people's lives, shamelessly giving over to morbid curiosity. Such people, defined in terms of their weakness, are nailed to the cross and not meant to be able to lay it aside and try to get on with putting their lives together. After all, don't we all make mistakes? Did we not hear Jesus say, let the one without sin cast the first stone? When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was not meant by his assassins to be ever free again. But we all know what happened. May all of us who carry crosses know that they are never alone, that they are lying on the cross beside Jesus, and there will be liberation. Twelfth Station Jesus Dies on the Cross We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. He's dead now. And it used to seem, in recent years, that our world had forgotten, for many, Good Friday. The day our Saviour died for us had been absorbed anonymously, into the ordinary Fridays. But this year, it is different. Yes, not of our own choosing. Come to think of it, we've had lots of Good Fridays. Well, kind of, over the past COVID-dominated year. Maybe there are lessons to be learnt from all of this. Jesus died to save us from slavery and to bring us true freedom. But we were free and in control of things, or thought we were. And then, a virus comes from a province in China that most of us never heard of, and suddenly we've lost our control and have very little freedom. And now, the Good Fridays imposed on us have given us time to think and we are wondering were we free at all? Or had we actually been sucked into a new form of slavery in recent decades? Sadly, people have died of this virus and as we celebrate the crucifixion of Christ, we remember them. We remember too their heartbroken families who were not able to pay their respects to their loved ones as they would have wished. In some cases, not even able to be at their bedside as they died. 
may they find consolation in the truth of our faith that Christ was present with their loved one. Nobody dies without Christ being at their bedside. Christ has committed himself to be there at all our Good Fridays. Good Friday is very real for the dying and their loved ones. And it is good to have the hope that springs from the first Good Friday. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of that famous Friday and all it means. Jesus is taken down from the cross. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. The years passed quickly. Their love, though not often mentioned, was more powerful now than at any moment in their past. She can't begin to imagine her days without him. Though he had told her he'd soon be going. The doctor told her it would only be a matter of time. And as a clock, a wedding present of 47 years ticks toward 3.45 a.m., it seems to stop. The priest looks across the old wooden bed. Peter and herself often thought about getting a new one, but it never seemed the right thing to do. Her children are with her, and their children sleep in the beds of their parents in Sean's room and Katie's room. He looks lovely, Mommy, whispers Katie, and as she looks at his closed eyes and silenced heart, she says, Yes, Katie, he does. Thank God he died so peacefully. Dear Lord, our traditions have taught us how to show respect for the dead. Conscious of the grief of others, we bless ourselves as a hearse, carrying even a stranger's coffin passes. Sadly, these days we have not been able to express our sympathy in our lovely Irish way. People in grief do not have the support of neighbours and friends in the traditional way, and that means they are carrying an extra lonely cross at this time. Social distancing is heartbreaking when your best friend's mother has passed and every fibre in your body wants to convey your sadness for her in a hug. We remember all such families and all who grieve at this time. station. 
Jesus is laid in the tomb. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Graveyards can be eerie places. We tend to associate them with wind and rain. They should be depressing places, but strangely, they are not. People like to visit them and whisper a prayer and perhaps shed a quiet tear, and maybe for some people, even talk to the departed loved ones. In recent decades, it is very noticeable that some people visit graves more frequently than used to be the practice. Thoughts are shared and tears are dropped alongside the kneel and pray inscription in concrete. It's a year now since their loved ones was laid to rest. On reflection, maybe it is not so strange that many don't find graveyards depressing. Maybe it is that those visits are witness to the sense of resurrection, the trust that there is life beyond the grave that lies deep in the hearts of all of us. Sometimes people say, I feel she is still with me, or I still feel very close to him. They are saying that, in a sense, they are not really gone from us. Isn't that really what our funeral liturgy means when it says that at death, life is changed, not ended? As we stand here at the tomb of our Lord, we cannot do so without being conscious of what celebrating the Easter vigil means. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. Let us remember, then, let us remember that on that Easter Sunday, the tomb was empty. On that rests all our hope. So thanks again for joining us today on our prayer around the cross uh, this Good Friday. Thanks also to West Limit 102 for facilitating this broadcast. We thank Father Frank Duick for arranging the music and reflections today. And also thanks to Mariah, Sean and Jane for sharing these reflections with us. These can be heard anywhere in the world at comeandseeinspirations.bushprout.com. That's our our podcast platform. Just Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. And also by visiting our Facebook page at Come and See Inspirations. 
God bless for now. Sacred Space.